Welcome to the Weight Loss and Women Professionals podcast. I'm your host, certified life and weight loss coach and physician, Dr. Amruti Chowdhury, MBBS. I lost over 92 pounds using the mind management tools I teach. In this podcast, you will learn how to lose weight for the last time by taking control of your mind. Once you deal with the mental weight, the physical weight will be much easier to release. If you're ready for a fresh new perspective on weight loss, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I have an extra special guest. It's the amazing Dr. Katrina Ubell. She is one of the first coaches that I used to listen to her podcast, and I used to think, oh my gosh, maybe this is possible for me too. So I'm so happy to have her on the podcast today. I'm just going to um, allow her to introduce herself. Welcome, Katrina. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. And yes, like you said, I'm Katrina Ubell and I am a pediatrician who practiced for over 10 years, who really struggled with her weight. It really became an issue starting in medical school, like really started to become an issue. And I gained and lost and gained and lost and gained and lost at least 10 times, you know, about 40 pounds or so. And um, as I was approaching about 40 years old, I started thinking, this, what am I doing? (laughs) What is going on? I'm an expert in the human body. And this seems so complicated. It just doesn't make sense. I cannot keep doing the same thing again. And again, I had my last baby lost that baby weight, swore to myself, I wouldn't gain it back, promptly gained it back. (laughs) And then thought, what am I going to do? So I really went on a journey to try to solve my own problem. In doing that, I found life coaching, which changed my whole life, helped me to understand why I struggled with food in the first place, helped me to just work through that in such an impactful way. And I really never thought about having a business. I just thought, you know, there might be some other women physicians out there as well who struggle in the same way. Because of course, we all think that we're the only one who struggles the way we do. You know what I mean? It's like so shame filled and like no one can know, even though of course people can see it on your body. And so I thought, you know, maybe I'll I'll offer my services to a few people. And that was about, I think almost seven years ago. And yeah, it turned into a whole business. So now what I do is help women physicians who are practicing in clinical medicine to, and and sorry, in physician. So in the U S physician means like any medical doctor, (laughs) doesn't mean like specialist or anything. Any doctor. Yeah. Um, And so I help them with weight loss. But as you know, and as your listeners hopefully know, you know, I I always say about 20% of what we do is actually about food and 80% is about all of the other things, um, Mm -hmm. all the reasons why we use food to feel better in the first place. And for some people, alcohol as well, because it can be really similar. So that's what I do. Yeah, I mean, it's such an honor to have you here. I remember um, when we first, when I first started listening to your podcast um, several years ago, it felt so new and so fresh and um, it still is not in, like, it's not widespread in um, the community, right? Um, And especially among um, the medical professionals, because what I find is that um, when um, people come to medical professionals, they expect us to know exactly what's going on with the weight and like how to lose the weight. And so I felt so much shame as a, as a medical doctor being overweight myself when people were asking me how to lose the weight. So what I wanted to ask you was like, how was coaching different for you? And what was your experience of um, the difference between what we get taught in medical school and what we get taught in coaching and things like that? Yes. Well, what I can speak to is my own medical school experience, but I think this is similar across the board in the U.S. And I don't think it's really that different in other parts of the world as well. 
I, my recollection is we had about three hours of nutrition um, teaching on a Friday afternoon. You know what I mean? Like, like it was very sparse in the lecture hall, you know, and what we were learning about were the really unusual and rare vitamin deficiencies, Mm -hmm. you know, things that, that you're really probably never going to see unless you're traveling to the far reaches of, of the, of the earth practicing medicine. And so I don't recall there really being any education on, um, on, you know, real like weight management or maintenance. And granted, I went to medical school. This was, you know, the end of the nineties and into Mm -hmm. the early two thousands. And so a lot has changed since then, you know, Mm -hmm. it was very much just the general, um, you know, kind of understanding of everybody, doctors, as well as the general public was that it was calories in calories out. You just need to eat less and move more um, and things like that. And I never personally rotated through a weight loss um, clinic or anything during my training, but my husband did, Mm -hmm. who is also a doctor. And his recollection was going in and seeing a patient who was struggling with her weight, was working with this weight loss um, specialist. And she came in with her food journal and said, these are all the things that I'm eating. And she wasn't losing weight. And so they had the patient interaction with the attending with the the doctor, and then they left. And the doctor said to my husband, who was a student, she must be lying. There's no way Mm -hmm. that she is eating what she says and not losing weight. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's like, blame the patient, like, we know what you should do. And if that's not working for you, it's your fault. It's not that maybe this way doesn't work. (laughs) for you or for anyone, possibly, it's that you're doing it wrong, which, you know, is, I think so many people who struggle with their weight will resonate with that, right? Feeling like I can't possibly be trusted to know what is right for my body. But then when I follow someone else's plan and it doesn't work, that just further means that something's deficient with me. Something's wrong with me. I must be weak. I must be lazy. I, you know, must not be intelligent enough, whatever we think. Um, it is. So I think that what has happened is there's just a lot more information about nutrition, but at the same time, the whole, the whole field has gotten very noisy, right? There's so many more different ways of eating, you know, whether it's plant-based or keto or, you know, all the things, right? Like, I mean, there's so many different ways of eating, which I think confuses people even more into thinking that it's so much about the food mm. and what you're eating and less about what problem is food solving for you. Like, why are you eating that in the first place? Like nobody's really asking that. And if you think about it, there's no money in that, you know, (laughs) in terms of like, no, no pharmaceutical company is going to run any studies on that or anything like that. So I think what has happened for doctors is they're in a bit of a conundrum. I think if they have never personally struggled with their weight very much or at all, they don't know what to offer because they haven't really had to try things themselves. And also many of them will say things like, well, you just need to exercise. Like it's very well-meaning, but they just don't understand. Yes, we have tried that. (laughs) and It did not work. You know, I think there's that issue, but then also the people who have struggled with their weight also know, like, I can recommend you all these things. It didn't work for me. And then they feel so much, you know, shame and they feel like a hypocrite because they're saying, yeah, go ahead and try this plan or that plan knowing full well, it didn't work for them. So I think doctors are just stretched to the brink right now. They cannot, how can you possibly keep up with all the things you're supposed to keep up on? And typically this is not going to be a subject that is going to be at the forefront of their mind, right? They're going to be worrying about 
more immediate issues. So I think that doctors are very well-meaning. They are not given the, the, the education or the support that's needed. And that's actually one of the reasons why I wrote my book, how to lose weight for the last time was to help them to help their patients, right? You don't have to be the expert, just give them this book and see, ask them to, to see if any of it resonates and then they can go on their own path. Mm. I think that's so important to know because, um, I think everyone expects the doctors to know everything. It's kind of like they're the ever knowing, they're the experts at this. And so when we don't know the ins and outs until we learn the tools, it's like really disempowering. And we feel like a fraud, right? When we don't actually know how to recommend the things that are going to actually work, which is why mm -hmm. it feels so fun to be a doctor and to be a coach, because when you mm -hmm. can combine the two together, then it's nice. like, wow, this is so powerful. This is literally going to change the world. Like I oh sometimes have the thought like you know I went into medicine to actually help people but this is how I'm actually now you actually are right exactly yeah. I, I think that the the medical training give helps you to understand physiology mm. of, of, of humans right yeah. but what it cannot tell us is what it feels like to be in somebody else's body right? Like I can't possibly know when somebody else is experiencing physical hunger or, yep. you know, they're, they're feeling satiety yep. or whether, you know, this food makes them feel energetic and, you know, they have good digestion with it or not. Right. So sometimes, and, and, you know, through no fault of our own, because <laughs> it's the part of the culture we as doctors often think like, we know all we know better than them, right? They should just listen to us. Mm. You know, we, we don't really know, and it needs to be a collaborative effort. And I think the other thing that, that a lot of people just in general, doctors and the, the public really get confused about is the means to an end type of behavior. So yes, you can follow a keto diet and you will probably lose a bunch of weight, but are you excited about eating that way for the rest of your entire life? If the answer is no then what are we doing? <laughs> then it's no different than when I, we call it Weight Watchers. I think in the UK, they have different names for it. You know, uh, you know, I would do that, follow that plan, get the weight off and, you know, tell myself that I would, I don't know, do better. Like, I don't know what I thought I was going to do. And then of course I gained the weight back again because I didn't want to eat that way forever. I think everyone thinks that, okay, I'm going to like go on this diet to lose the weight and then I'll have permission to go and eat the way that I want to eat. Yes. Instead of creating a plan for yourself that you're going to be able to stick to for the rest of your life and lose weight, because when you learn how to, instead of paying attention to external signals, paying attention to the internal signals, like your hunger, your emotions, and actually like feeling them instead of using food to make it better, it like changes everything, right? Because then there's mm -hmm. nothing external that can tell you how much food to eat or when to eat or anything mm -hmm. like that. And that's very different to what like society is telling us. Society is like saying, you must weigh your food, count these macros, count these calories, and only then you are going to be able to you know, eat right for your body. Yeah. And this is why it feels so radical for so many people, because they think, wait, what? I get to decide. It feels quite exactly. scary. And so they feel a bit like, oh, yes. this feels a bit uncomfortable, which brings me on to my second, second point about kind of paying attention to our body signals. Often, that's so much of what we do, right? In life coaching, where we learn how to process our emotions, pay attention to our hunger signals. Um, so I wanted to ask for your input on um, 
what it's been like for you, um, especially with professional people, because in my experience, it's been that um, people tend to be on board with the coaching side of things, the cognitive side of things. But when it comes to dropping into the body, paying attention to the body signals, they often think of that as quite fluffy and quite like oh, a bit woo, maybe. And they think, no, I, I don't know if I'm in for that. Um, so I wanted your your opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I think about that is I used to be one of them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, I remember that. I mean, my background, um, and you know, everybody comes from from you know uh, different families of origin. In my background, my parents are immigrants from Germany, and um, you know, the Germans are not known for being an emotional people. <laughs> you know. So through no fault of their own, it's just, you know, you keep everything very buttoned up Mm -hmm. and you don't talk about emotions and that's like a waste of time and a waste of energy. And why would we even spend any time there? Just like, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep on moving. And there are some, that that can be a great skill, right? It's not like that's a, a problem or bad, but what I didn't learn was how to feel anything really (laughs) properly. And so my emotional eating, meaning asking food to solve for my emotions, right? Eating not for physical hunger, but because I was experiencing an uncomfortable emotion and food would numb me out or make me feel better. I started doing that even as a child, not knowing what I was doing. I mean, it's an adaptive process, right? Like you just figure out, oh, when I eat the sugar, I actually feel better. I don't feel, you know, as um, upset or scared or whatever it is. So I already had that little bit of knowledge going for me and, um, and that pattern persisted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when we're younger, we're often able to manage it through exercise or, you know, we're just busy or whatever, but eventually it often catches up with us. Mm-hmm. So then I go into, uh, you know, <laughs> my undergrad degree is in engineering, which okay. is not, you know, anything has nothing to do with like any kind of emotional connection. And then going into medical school where it's actually prized, right? Like if you can keep it all together, you're being very professional. And I think also for us as women, um, sometimes, especially depending on the field that we're working in, like we really are working with a bunch of men and we want to assimilate. We want to not be seen as different or other. We want to be seen just like them. Well, so then there's even more shutting down of our emotions. And so we get to where we are going and we're like, I mean, I hear what you're saying about emotions, but like, I literally don't know how to do that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that's where I found myself really needing to completely just educate myself on how to do this. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't easy. The thought work came easier to me finding Mm -hmm. out what I, what I was thinking. Um, I, I mean, this is the truth. I literally had to hire a therapist to teach me how to cry it was like, I could feel that it, it was there, but I like, couldn't get it out. That would happen um, quite frequently. Mm -hmm. And so I really had to learn how to create safety for myself while experiencing emotions. I think it just felt so unsafe. And I just want to speak to that because often we think, oh, we're just doing it wrong. Or maybe I can't do this emotional thing, this emotional work, but I just want to encourage anyone listening who's struggling in that way to just keep going and just to keep learning and understanding that it's a, a bit of a circuitous path for many of us, mm-hmm. but we eventually end up, you know, um, further along, at least, I mean, I'm still learning more about yeah. how to do this. And so really the, the, the difference is since our thoughts create our emotions, right. 
that's, that's all fine and good when we're aware of what the thoughts are, mm-hmm. when they're uh, conscious, you know, it's a conscious thought. And sometimes we have subconscious thoughts or beliefs that we can bring into our consciousness and work on them and change that. But I think what may, what sums it up best um, for me is there are times when I'm experiencing an emotional experience in my body and I am asking myself, well, what am I thinking that's creating that? And it doesn't really matter what I think. I can choose new thoughts. I can, you know, tell myself all the reasons why I don't need to be worried about it. And the experience in my body doesn't change, right? So then we know there's something under, like an undercurrent. That's that subconscious, um, you know, just kind of taking charge. So an example, we kind of touched on it before we started recording was as my book was coming out, I had a several week period where I just felt extremely scared, like really terror. Mm. And I knew I was feeling this because of what was going on in my body. I mean, literally my heart rate was elevated. I felt so much tension in my body. I felt like, like wide eyed at times, like really like at any moment I can sprint out of here to save my life, you know, but of course, cognitively, I'm like, you have a book coming out. Like it's going to be okay. Like I had to remind myself I was out, uh, uh, you know, somewhere and it was a busy street and there were cars driving. And I was like, Katrina, all of these people, like the vast majority of them will never, ever know who you are or this book, you know, like calm down. But really what helped me to work through this, because changing my thoughts, trying to tell myself I was safe was not working. It was Mm -hmm. not changing my, my um, physical experience. It was somatic work. Mm. more specifically um, doing EFT or tapping Mm -hmm. emotional freedom technique um, to help me to actually release that, like to allow myself to, uh, you know, understand what that terror was about Mm -hmm. and to allow it to go away, Mm -hmm. to stop trying to talk myself out of it and instead go to it. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to see because I had this image in my mind too, of like an angry mob, like what I was so afraid of, as I was sharing with you was, was just tons of criticism, you know, I mean, you know, I, we can't help it. So many of us are people pleasers at heart, even though we hear about it, right? Like we just, you know, here's this thing that I just worked three years on. Like, do you like it? You know, it's kind of like very childlike kind of a, of a um, way of approaching it. And then thinking like in the movie, Beauty and the Beast, when there's like the angry mob coming with like the flaming torches and they want to come and kill the beast. Like that was what it felt like was coming after me. And, um, and so being able to understand, like, there's a very small part of me, like young version of me, who's afraid that she's not going to be okay. She's not going to be safe. And Mm. that's where this is coming from. Like that comes from that understanding comes from doing that somatic work. And after that, it really was gone. And I knew it because of how I felt my body. So what we have to do is learn to repopulate our bodies. We often just sort of decapitate ourselves symbolically. We live up in our heads. We're prized for our knowledge, our intelligence, our problem solving skills, you know, all of that, like, that's all great. And then we are literally taught to not pay attention to our body signals. Doesn't matter if you're hungry or thirsty, or you need to, you know, go to the bathroom or go to sleep doesn't matter. Just ignore what's going on in your body. Well, now we're being invited to reconnect. What does my body um, actually have to say about what's going on? There's a lot to be learned there, not only just with food and, and digestion and what does your body need from a nutritional standpoint, but also what does it need from an emotional standpoint? 
Yeah. How can you actually support it? When you know this, you're not just like, well, what else can I eat to try to make this feeling go away? You're like, what's going on for me? And how can I actually meet that need instead of trying to just, you know, drown it out with food or alcohol? Yeah. I noticed that for me, I had to do a very similar work. Like initially when I got into coaching, it was all like, oh my gosh, my thoughts create my feelings. This is so amazing because I was a very like cognitive person. I was very much mm-hmm. in my brain and, you know, being doctors we're we're like prized on that. Like it's yes. kind of like you have to, um, you know, be very like in your brain to actually succeed at this. So that was prized. Mm-hmm. So then when it came to body work, I was like, mm, I don't know if I'm into that. And then it came to a point where, as you said, the thoughts, were like I was trying to change my thoughts and it still wasn't changing the emotional experience in my body and I I realized that for me what I um, had to do was like firstly we're we're trained to be people pleasers in in our profession as women but also in our profession and so it's kind of like you want to you're trained you have to put others before yourself so actually to learn how to like do like pay attention to you often my excuses were I don't have enough time for this this is too like you know I I have to do things for others I don't have time and so then what I had to go and do is like I felt like some intense terror like during my last launch for example and it was like hey you're fine like okay you've got some amazing clients nothing has gone wrong you've got a roof over your head but I would feel this huge terror in my in my throat and it would literally would not go away and I had to do some reparenting work where Mm -hmm. I had to go and visit that uh, small Amruti and actually tell her that she was safe and and kind of like really listen to her fears and and tell her that that you know I'm there for her and things like that and what I would have thought about that three years ago I would have right? been like, are you serious you're gonna go <laughs> okay you're okay to your inner child but it changed everything for me because now that terror still comes up for me but now I know like exactly how to talk to it and how to kind of be with it rather than push it away with food and to you know like losing 42 kilos is like like wait what sometimes I think wait how did you do that and it was literally just being with that being with that Mm -hmm. physical sensation in my body and being like okay this is safe to do this even if it feels really uncomfortable and just creating that safety and constantly doing that is literally everything right Mm -hmm. it really I mean it really really is (laughs) and I think I, I I have to believe that you know many years ago you know centuries ago this type of knowledge and connection was passed down from woman to woman, you know, through families, like we, this is our superpower, (laughs) you know, like, like we really have this um, connection through our emotions to the world and to ourselves that, you know, we can arguably say is different than what men experience Mm -hmm. and what we, for all the reasons, right. um, Have sort of tried to do is try to be more like men And in doing so, we've abandoned really who we are as women. And I know that sounds like so like fluffy or whatever, but, but it really is the truth. I mean, I had a very long standing um, story that I told myself that when people would say, just follow your gut or, you know, what does your intuition tell you? I was like, intuition, come on. I really thought that I couldn't trust my gut. I had a a very um, strong story about, you know, a time when I, you know, felt like everything was fine and then very much wasn't. And, um, And so I really had to find my way back to that. Mm. And now I use that all the time in my business. Like the number of times when I've gone against that 
you know, my feeling was, yeah, I don't think this is a good idea. And then I talked myself into it and did it anyway, and then regretted it, right? Now I really try to connect with that. Like, does this feel like an alignment? I don't have to know why. If it's a no, it's a no. I don't have to manufacture, a, you know, a, a, an excuse or a reason if I don't know what it is. It's just, it's a no, you know, or it's a yes, like feeling very drawn to this. This may not make sense, but I, I really feel like this is the thing. Mm -hmm. And so, especially for those of us who are so cognitive, mm -hmm. who really like to think things out, you know, uh, that can be very confusing to us, mm -hmm. you know, it'd be like, you know, but I, I, the way I make decisions is by thinking, you know? And so I think, you know, not to say that that's necessarily better or, or anything, it's just, it's available and it's pretty cool to play around with. Like to a certain extent, I feel like, you know, I'm just sort of educating myself and um, what's possible for me as a woman, as a human. Um, and that's just it's great to be able to offer that. I remember early, early on in my business, I did a call with a woman and she's like, you know, I'm just very, very intuitive. So I'm going to have to spend some time on this. And I literally was like, what is she talking about? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, being so confused by that. And now I, I'm just in awe. I just think that's yeah. so I think it's so funny because it, before we used to be like very much in our brains and trust the, the wisdom of our brains. And now learning how to trust the wisdom of our bodies has changed everything. And then when mm -hmm. you can combine the two together, that's where the magic happens. Cause you can yes. like pick the bits of, you know, your brain wisdom and then your body wisdom. And like, as you said, when you're in alignment, that feels like so easy and free. And that's what our women are, are after, right? They, they're yes. using like food to like, try and feel more in control to try and like you know like be able to live the lives that they want to live but actually what they really want is that freedom that like you know being in control even without that so it exactly. kind of brings them back to that right so mm -hmm. that oh, is everything right. and something else that you you talked about as well that I wanted to touch on was um like food being uh, used as a reward so I think you talked about like um you know for so long we've been um it, it's we've been socialized to like use food to make ourselves feel better or to push away a negative emotion um and that's just so common isn't it it's kind of like oh there's something that's come up let's go out and celebrate or um you know or even as children it's very much like oh you're having a negative emotion you shouldn't be feeling this way here yeah. have some food especially yeah. like I know you said it in the in the German culture it was like that in the Indian culture it's very much like that too like once I was I crying on the phone. all the cultures I yeah, <laughs> I was crying on the phone to um like I don't know something happened with my phone contract and I must have been crying and there was an Indian man on the phone and he's like please don't cry this is making me so upset that you're crying and I was like wait what like this is really strange it just made me realize that like even in like different cultures it's very much like crying is wrong you shouldn't cry you shouldn't be feeling anything negative and if you are here let me make it better for you and mm -hmm. the way to make it better is food or alcohol or, mm -hmm. or like buying something which is why when we like you know buffer or when we use other things to you know create our emotions and push away negative emotions then that's what we're going to keep relying on for pleasure instead of yes. kind of being okay with like the whole human experience exactly. so what's your take on that exactly. would you say yeah, I mean, my mom was actually quite a, a you know, what we'd say, like, a, you know, a healthy, uh, you know, eater, like was, you know, we had healthy food, people would always say, Oh, did you eat German food all the time? We really didn't, because German food is pretty heavy. And it's, you know, probably not the most nutritious. Um, but so she, I remember one thing in particular, that was so out of character for her. That's why I remember it so much. We would go to a dentist, it was a pediatric dentist. And you would think that this man would be maybe a nice person who liked children. No, he really was not. He was a horrible, 
horrible man. <laughs> and, you know, wouldn't allow, you know, a parent back. And so uh, it was, so my mom didn't really know what was going on behind the scenes. He was just really mean and impatient. And I was just in general, like a bit of a fearful, stressed out kind of a kid anyway. So it just was very stressful for me to go to the dentist every six months. And so near the dentist's office was a donut shop. And so so I don't know what, I think, I think I was so worked up about it, or I don't even know what, I think she felt so bad that we got in this habit of after the dentist, she would take us to go eat a donut, which is hilarious, right? It's like, it's so like, funny. I remember sometimes because we get like the fluoride treatment, you know, and I would say to her mom, it has to be yeah, you know, because you're supposed to wait there anyway. She's like, it's okay, just go ahead and eat it. Like, and I have that memory seared in my brain because it was so out of the ordinary. I remember what kind of donut she would always get. I mean, it was just like, and also food, like sugar, you know. So, so think about that. You're very scared. You have to do this thing that you don't like to do. Mm-hmm. And the reward on the other side of doing it is you get to eat a donut. Mm-hmm. And so, it's just such a, a glaring example mm. of how those patterns are set up for us. Mm. And again, not blaming my mom or anything like that. It's just, it's just, you know, she was doing the best she could. And really at that time, you know, in that, in the world at that time, what else was she really supposed yeah. to do? You know, yeah. no one knew what to do anything else. So, so I think that, um, that of course that still persists, you know, you had, you know, some sporting event that went well, like we go out for ice cream or a good report card or whatever it is. Like, you know, you scrape your knee, here's a popsicle, you know, whatever it is just, just to, to, um, to get the child to try to feel better. But what that represents to your point is our discomfort Mm -hmm. with someone else's emotions. So the more we do this work on ourselves and make space for us to experience our own emotions and not try to make them go away as quickly as possible, we can offer that to the young people in our lives as well. So I can tell my, my oldest child just turned 17 yesterday, which is really crazy. (laughs) And, and so thinking about him, I mean, he was about 10 when I, you know, uh, like learned about coaching and everything. So, so the first 10 years of his life was, you know, mom, pediatrician mom, but didn't know any coaching really yeah. or anything. And then my nine-year-old who's my youngest, she has, you know, barely remembers anything. Like mm-hmm. I've always known this kind of stuff. So the way that I approached my younger children mm-hmm. in terms of like, I can tell there's an emotion there. I can tell they're, they're trying to hold it back pulling them aside, sitting them on, on my lap, giving them a hug, just let it out. It's okay. You don't need to hold that in. Just let that all come out, you know, like in teaching them, you don't need to feel better. The way you'll feel better is by releasing what this is. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, I otherwise you stuff is... it in, it waits for you for later. Yeah. I find that this is like literally the um, most important work that we can ever do, because not only are we doing the work on ourselves, but we're the ripple effects are huge. Like I've got boys that are, how old are they now? Six and five now. And it's so fun that they can actually feel their emotions and stuff like, and, and actually be like, Hey, this is what it feels like in my body. This is it, this color. It's that, you know, sometimes I think they're making it up, but it's fine. At least they're like connected okay. with their bodies and stuff. And it's so like fun to like, be able to like, for them to be able to release that emotion rather than, um, and, and then you see how quickly they're able to get back to their everyday life instead mm-hmm. of it bogging them down. So it's like yeah. such important work. So thank you so much for all of that. That is so amazing. I just wanted to kind of like round off by asking like these tools that you've learned and that you, you teach your clients, how do you use them in other areas of your life? 
Yeah. I mean, to me, all the tools are applicable to every area of life. And we just use, you know, food and overeating as sort of the entry point. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can just as easily learn all of these tools and skills through, you know, shopping too much or yeah. gambling or you know, whatever it is, like whatever your way of numbing and feeling better, um, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever you prefer, it's still the same, the same thing. So I use I mean, so much of what I've learned in terms of, you know, through the the um, avenue of not overeating anymore, um, I apply that to my work and my business. I mean, mm-hmm. entrepreneurship has a reputation for a reason. It is not yes. easy. It looks like so great. And at times it is really great. And at times it just it's that, that, you know, even like if, it, if you're going to have the super high highs, you're going to have some really low lows as well. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I regularly am working on processing my emotions about what's happening, um, for me within the business, um, understanding just myself and how I'm showing up in it, using the business almost as the growth tool now, not necessarily the weight loss journey, yeah. um, it informs how I parent so much. I was actually thinking about this the other day when I get coached, literally almost never do I get coached on my children. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting because I, I coach people on their children a lot. And I know a lot of people that that's the main thing they want to be coached on. And I thought, why is that? And I think so much of it is just my belief that it's like they're on their own life path, their own journey. I'm here to support them. I can't possibly know how I, how they should live their life. Like even when they're pretty little, which can be very different than what most people believe, right? It's like a lot of controlling and you have to be this certain way, but when you let go, there's not a lot to be coached on. So, so, so much of this, um, is, you know, it impacts all of my relationships. Um, it's cause it really is like, like I said, the, the weight loss and the, the managing the eating is just the entry point. And the way that like, if you've been using eating or drinking to solve certain problems, you're then invited to identify what those problems are and figure out different solutions. And so to a certain extent, it's the continuation of that work, mm-hmm. because if I don't, I'll probably end up going back to food. Yes. Right. Because what else would I do? Like, you know, I certainly don't want to start drugs or something that <laughs> a different thing that, that I could create more problems. So, so I just find that, that the, the tools are in use mm. basically all of the time. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really important to, to, as you said, that it's a continuous process because it's kind of like just deepening the tools each time. And it's kind of like each layer is um, going to be uh, broached in a slightly different way. So you may feel like, oh, I've dealt with this. And then it will come up in another, in a, like another layer of it will come up and just to be okay with, hey, this is me just feeling the next layer of shame or the next layer of disappointment or the next layer of um, doubt or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And being okay with that and like open to that. Um, and some and of the- Understanding yourself on a deeper and deeper level. I think yeah. that's a, a huge, huge part of it, right? Understanding where does this shame and this rejection and, you know, whatever the emotions, like, where does this really come from? And just, I think it's like an an evolution of learning how to take really excellent care of yourself. Yeah. And so much of kind of like self-care is like portrayed as, oh, go and have a bath or, you know, go and have a massage and stuff. But true self-care is actually giving your body what it actually truly needs. Um, Mm -hmm. And without any kind of like, 
oh, this feels uncomfortable, but like in a luxurious way, I feel like that's like, and so much of coaching is like being able to be with your body. So it may Mm -hmm. not be like very time consuming or anything. It may actually take a few seconds. Like I think it, um, it takes 90 seconds to feel an emotion and Mm -hmm. to, 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 uh, think, am I willing to be with myself for 90 seconds? It feels like, oh, okay. Yeah. I could probably do that. Even if I've got very busy day. Right. And so now what I I do is I tune into my body like multiple times a day just to kind of be like, hey, like, where am I right now? And um, before I never used to like do this, but now I actually put my hand on my heart and talk to myself like I would like my my like inner child, you know, Mm -hmm. I literally have a picture of me when I was little and I like talk to myself, you know, like, I'm kind of like, you know, like it's kind of like, thank you. It's kind of like, you know, it feels really strange to even talk about, but it's just the work of like building up that relationship with yourself and creating mm-hmm. that safety with that, with that like child version of you that mm-hmm. kind of learned these ways of programming that sometimes just need a bit of tweaking and a bit of mm-hmm. like reprogramming. So mm-hmm. that is so Absolutely. amazing. Thank you so much for, um, for all of that. Any other tips that you have for any of my listeners that you would like to um, kind of impart any kind of last minute words? Um, you know, I think the thing that's coming to me right now is um, is just, you know, a little public service announcement that if you're feeling any kind of rush mm-hmm. to lose weight, that's a really good indicator that you're focusing on things that will maybe give you temporary results, but not long-term results. Mm-hmm. So I always am recommending like anytime someone feels that time pressure or in a hurry to get the weight off, really mm-hmm. looking at why that is like, what do you think is going to be better once you get there? If you're in a hurry, right, there is going to be better than here, you think, except that once you get there, and you lose the weight, not much is going to be different, your clothes will be a different size, you know, maybe every day, the same clothes will fit you, that can be fun, I'm not going to take that away. But not that much is really different. If all you've done is changed your body size. So what's really great is when you lose that weight, and you feel what I call peace and freedom around food, right? Where you can be around all of your favorite foods, all those sort of trigger foods, all those ones that seem like they're very hard to, you know, control yourself around. You can be around them and you could eat them and they would taste good. You could also just as easily not eat them and you would be fine with that. Like it just doesn't matter that much to you. That is what feels so great about losing weight. If you can create that, but just the weight loss alone will not create that. The, the way you create peace and freedom around food is with your thinking, with your brain and processing your emotions. And so, uh, so anytime someone's in a rush to get the weight off, mm. it's like, okay, well now we need to pause because <laughs> we're, we're overly emphasizing the thing that the, not the wrong thing, but something that's a small piece to the puzzle. And we need to be focusing in on what's really going to move the needle for us. Yeah. And you just summarized that really well. And I know that you talk about that in your book, How to Lose Weight for the Last Time. Um, So tell us, how can we um, get hold of your book and um, find out more about you? Yes. So it is available everywhere now. (laughs) So US, UK, Australia, South Africa, all the English um, speaking um, countries, it's available um, on Amazon. It's available on Audible as well as an audiobook. I read the audiobook myself. Um, which is, was uh, quite fun to be able to do that. And so, you know, for anybody who is a, um, you know, who's a doctor who takes care of patients, it's also um, can be a really good resource for you to be able to just help your patients. I mean, we know that, you know, doctors do not have time to get into it all. It's so much, right? So being able to recommend 
um, a resource for them to be able to kind of, you know, get some advice. I mean, we all know that stopping eating candy bars is probably going to help us lose weight, right? but, like, you know, but like, how can we, you know, create a way of eating that's going to support us and then really diving into the emotional work as well, just kind of introducing the idea to them. It's certainly not going to be like comprehensive, every single thing that they'll ever need, but it gets them started. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course for doctors as well, it can be helpful and really anybody it's it, the book was written for the general public. So um, so anybody who struggles with weight, I think it's a great way. Like I remember when I was first learning about coaching, I read uh, a book that the coach had written. Um, and I read that book and I was like, yep, that's exactly what I need. And I know I'm never going to do that myself. Mm. So I think I need to hire her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so whoever is going to be the right person, you know, to, to coach you, like this can just be that initiating, mm-hmm. um, you know, factor that helps you to understand more about what coaching is and how it can help you. And, uh, and then you can decide what your next steps are moving forward. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Katrina. It was a real pleasure to have you impart your knowledge with all the listeners. And I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Amrit. It was so fun. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For more free resources and for information on how to work with me, visit www.amruticoaching.com.